I do want to say while you're turning to Psalm 107 that uh, uh, that our, the, the new nursery is open. Uh, ladies, you can thank mothers. You can thank Brother Mike and, and Chip uh, for the work that they've done and their labors. Anybody else that had a part of that, making that nursery bigger and larger, That's uh, it was needed. Uh, you get three or four in that one little room, that was too much, and we hope that uh, maybe uh, one day soon we'll just knock out the other wall and make it that much bigger because we'll have young families with... Um, uh, having more children and more children, and we'll be able to uh, to be able to fill that up. So we thank God for that and appreciate that. Let me do make mention too, in case I forget. You notice in your bulletin we have a rest home service today at two o'clock. Uh, so that'll be our evening service there. There'll be no evening service here, but you come to Morning Star with us at two o'clock. We always have just a good time of worship there uh, at, uh, at at all of our rest homes, ministering to those uh, senior saints. So please be a part of that. Uh, that's 2 o'clock at Morningstar, and I just want to thank the choir myself for uh, Monday night. You uh, you come out, and I'll tell you what I believe with all my heart, and I may be wrong, and that's all right, because this is just opinion, uh, but uh, I believe that we've got the best choir right now that we've ever had at Old Savannah Baptist Church. I mean, you, you come out uh, in number, you are faithful to be in your position, and then you sung with the touch of God and the hand of God on you, and what happens after that, it's not our responsibility. Uh, we just sing for Jesus and let him use us and, uh, and anoint us. And you did that. Uh, and uh, inquire, I, I am proud of you in Christ Jesus and what you have allowed him to do with you in the palm of his hands. And so I thank God for such a wonderful uh, choir. And for those that are not in the choir, we, we have the best choir uh, that I've heard and that I know of. Is that not right, church? Say amen. Amen. All right. Well, we, we love you and we appreciate that. Psalm 107. I know I've got to be quick. We want to get you out of here so you can get uh, lunch and all that before that rest home service comes, that nursing home service comes. And I just want you to think on this thought for a few minutes uh, out of Psalm 107. Uh, I think I'll just say so. I think I'll just say so. Verse number 1, Psalm 107. The Bible says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, uh, for He is good, for His mercy uh, endureth forever. We could stop right there just on that little phrase about mercy, that we've never run out of God's mercy. It's, it's new today uh, for me and for you. Verse 2, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Hallelujah. The psalmist just builds on this thought, and it just all throughout the psalm, all the way to the end of Psalm 107, he is just repeating the deliverances of God in his life, the mercies of God, uh, the things that he has to be thankful for. And it moves him to compel the people of God uh, to uh, those that are redeemed to say so uh, if they have been redeemed by the hand of God. So you may be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, I thank you for this occasion today and I thank you most of all, God, for your word. I'm thankful that, God, you've given us this Word, that, God, we were begotten by the Word, and, God, it's been the Word that has delivered us and kept us. God, it's the Word that, uh, that Lord, just lifts our head, and we thank you for that. And, God, we thank you for the living Word, the Son of God, who come to take away the sins of the world. I pray right now tonight, today, the Lord, this morning, and, Father, your anointing hand would be upon me, touch my mind, my heart, my lips, Help me to faithfully communicate with a heart of love all that you've given me, Father. And I do pray and ask that, God, you'll put in my mouth things I've not even studied for, prepared for, forbid me for saying anything you'd not have said. 
God, I pray that you'll surround this hilltop with a band of holy angels, bind every demon of hell. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ, and we claim resurrection power, God, from this sacred desk today. And God, we'll give you thanks and glory for all you do in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You should just underline that in your Bible, highlight it, make it a point that it will draw your attention to that every time that you see that. I want you, I want to be, I want you to be reminded today that we live in a day and an age where we live in one of the most quiet times that there has ever been in the church of the living God. It's no wonder to me that some of the fastest growing churches today, some of the churches that are attracting more people today than other churches, are churches that are making a noise for the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean they're making a big to-do about the grace of God that came into this world for sinners like me and like you. It's no wonder people don't go back to churches where they're graveyard dead, where nobody makes a peep, where nobody says anything, where everybody is quiet like it's in a funeral home. Listen to me. What Christ did, the Bible says, He did outside the camp. That means He did it publicly. He hung, bled, and died, suffered that shame, that humiliation, died that painful death, my friend, there before all of the world. And so therefore, you and I, the redeemed, we ought to give a testimony before all of the world. Now, the Bible here says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Well, common sense tells us that for you and I to be redeemed, that means we must have a redeemer. Now, listen to me. This goes on back to the Old Testament truth found way over in the book of Ruth, and then it's repeated very often there in that book. Uh, But in the book of Ruth, it's made very plain that there was four things needed for somebody to be a redeemer. Now, the the psalmist says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You're testifying. You're vocalizing. You're standing up and speaking up. Uh, You're refusing to be quiet, to be still, to be shut up because you have been redeemed for no other reason. Not because God gave you a car, not because He gave you a home, not because He's given you health but simply because you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, that's why you'll speak up, stand up, and say something when we have chance to do so. Four things needed for somebody to be our Redeemer. Number one, he must be a blood relative. The Bible says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He took on, he took on human DNA. He took on blood like we've got blood. Uh, yes, uh, uh, yes, he was born of a virgin. And my friend, listen to me. Uh, he was very much... Uh, He was very much man. He was 100% man, but he was 100% God. Uh, But in being man, he identified with our infirmities. He knew what it was like to be tempted. He knew what it was like to be tired. He knew what it was like to be weary. He knew what it was like to cry at the tomb of a friend. He knew what it was like, my friend, to be discouraged. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me, he said. And so thank goodness that he was a blood relative which qualifies him to be our Redeemer. He, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Number two, he must be able, the Bible says. According to the book of Ruth, uh, this Redeemer, he must be able. Well, let me say this about Jesus Christ. He who knew no sin, he was sinless. Now get this, 
He was sinless and without sin. He was in all points tempted as we are, and He was without sin. Somebody said that He did not sin. I've got one better for you than that. Not only did He not sin, but He could not sin, my friend. You say, well, then His temptations were not real if He could not sin. Let me tell you something. A canoe can attack a battleship. And the canoe will never win against a battleship. I can promise you that. Uh, But nevertheless, the attack is real. It's a very real attack when a canoe attacks a battleship. But it will never win. The temptations were real. uh, But our Savior did not sin because He could not sin because He was 100% fully God. Uh, But He was sinless, a spotless sacrifice. He was able, my friend, to redeem us and to save us from our sins. Not only does he have to be a a near kinsman, a blood relative to redeem us, not only does he have to be able to to redeem us, but he has to be willing to redeem us. Now listen to me just a minute. Suppose I had cancer and I went to the dentist or the orthodontist, something along those lines, and I told the doc, doc, I've got cancer. And... And, 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 and I tell them all, all that the cancer doctor has said and, and all of that. And he said, well, I'm willing to operate on your cancer. But he's not able because he don't know how. He's a dentist. He wants to and he's willing, but he can't do it because he's not able. Suppose I go to a cancer doctor, the top one in all the country, and I go to that doctor and he knows my prognosis and he knows I've got cancer and all of that and he knows what needs to be done to be healed and he tells me his credentials and he says, I've seen this before, I've done it before, I know I can cure you, I'm able, I've got the training, but you know I just, I'm just not going to help you. He's able, but he's not willing. See, the Lord Jesus in being our Redeemer, not only is He our blood relative, uh, because he took on, uh, he become, uh, he he took on and was robed in human flesh. Uh, and not only is he able, because he's sinless, so he's a sinless sacrifice for you and I. Uh, but he's also willing, my friend. He's able because he's that sinless sacrifice. But he's willing to save me, and he's willing to save you. We can put the finger on a lot of people in the crucifixion story. We can start there in life group. We talked about Judas. We could finger Judas and that betrayal. And those 30 pieces of silver, silver, and we could say that Judas, that sorry dog, if I could stand in front of him today, you listen to me, it was not Judas. The Lord Jesus was willing for himself to be betrayed, my friend. There at the table of the Last Supper, all he would have had to done was cut his eyes at Judas, and Judas would have just disappeared like that. But he was willing. My friend, the Roman soldiers arrested him. They did not take him by force. He was willing to allow himself to be taken by force. They tied him to an old whipping post and they beat him with a cat of nine tails right up to the point of death. We could say those old soldiers, if I could get my hands on them, I'd give them a dose of their own med. No, you must understand the Lord Jesus was willing to be suf- to suffer for you and for me. They took that crown of thorns, they drove it down upon his head, they put a reed in his hand, they sped upon him, they plucked the beard out of his face and pulled his hair, they mocked and they laughed and you say, boy, if I would only be there you understand this he was willing my friend to go through that for you and for me they nailed him to an old cross beam of a cross put it on him raised him up there on Golgotha's hill crucified him there publicly and you say why did they do that they didn't do that our Lord Jesus
Jesus was willing, my friend. Not only was He able to be our Redeemer, but He was willing to be our Redeemer. He come to me. January 13th, 1997 is when I got saved. Uh, but for six months before that, I was under deep Holy Ghost conviction, miserable in my heart and in my life, knowing that I was lost and bound for a devil's hell. Uh, my friend, listen to me. He came to me and wooed me and drew me to Him, not only knowing what I had been. He knew what I was, and He knew what I would be after He saved me, what I would do after But yet He was willing. I say, thank God uh, for a Redeemer whose blood kin, who's able to save, he has all power in his hand, but he was willing to save a sorry dog such as I. He's able and willing. And then lastly, he must complete the transaction. I'll tell you what happened there on Calvary's Hill. There was a transaction took place. He took my sins upon him, and he knew who knew no sin becomes sin that we might become the sons of God. And when He died for my sins and paid my sin debt, arose on that third day, I'm able to take on the righteousness of God now. And now, as I explained to somebody a while back, they were talking about how unworthy they feel and the things they had done and how could they approach God's throne and how could they pray knowing who they were and what they had done. And listen to me, when he died, when he, died he took my sins, shed his blood, erased my friend, uh, that sin debt, took it away, and I took on the righteousness of Christ. So when God looks at me, he no longer sees me for me like you see me. But, but when I was saved, he took me, this old, this old dirty handkerchief, he took me, and by the Bible, according to the book of Ephesians, put me in uh, it put me in Christ, and so now when God the Father looks at me, one of His children, He doesn't see me for who I used to be or what I was or even what I am, uh, but He sees me in Christ Jesus. So when He looks at me, He sees Jesus, His Son. And when He looks at me, He's pleased in me uh, because He sees Jesus, His Son. So on Calvary's hill there was a death and a burial, and three days later a resurrection. The transaction was complete. So you and I can be redeemed. Number one, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Number one, a redeemer must be a blood relative. It's worth praising him. Now listen, I'm going to be theological just a minute. It's worth praising him for the incarnation. The Christmas, we celebrate it once a year. We ought to be thankful every day. Because had he not been robed in human flesh, had he not been given a body to suffer with, to shed blood and to believe with. We could not be saved, my friend. We would not be saved. Uh, but He was incarnated, born of a virgin, as the Bible says, become a sinless sacrifice for me and for you. And so it's worth you and I thanking God for a Redeemer that was blood kin to you and I. Number two, He's able. I'm glad He's able to go, sure enough, to the guttermost and save to the uttermost. I- I'm glad He not only saves... I'm glad he not only saves out of bar rooms and out of drug houses, but he also saves off church pews and out of choir laws. I'm thankful for a God who's able to save, my friend. There's no like His arm's not short and then it cannot save. His ear's not deaf uh, that He does not hear, my friend. I'm glad for a God He's still able today to say, I would not be discouraged. I would not be to fret. I would not fret if I had a lost loved one and you prayed and prayed. I'd just keep praying and praying because, uh, my friend, if God can come to 825 Pigeon Street and run me down, uh, He can catch them and He can take an old hard heart and turn that heart to heaven and make that heart weak before the 
the throne of grace and salvation can come home. He's able. Thank God He's willing. Thank God He's willing. Man, I'm telling you, at that time in my life, I don't know a lot of people that would have chosen me. You know what I'm saying? I don't know a lot of people who would have picked me. <laughs> but there was one that was willing that day. And he come to me. I didn't have to go looking for him. I didn't have to go searching for him. No, he come to me and knocked on my heart. And, and my friend, it was the grace of God that made me turn to heaven. It's the grace of God that caused me to see my lost estate. Listen, it's God's grace when you wake up and you realize you're lost and you've never been saved. That's God's grace in your life. If you've never been lost, you've never been saved. You've got to get lost before you can get saved. And I'm glad for the day I got lost because I had an able, willing Savior who wanted to save me. And lastly, the transaction was complete. I make a big deal both about his death and his resurrection. It's all together. Now, to me, it's a sad thing that on the steeple of our churches all we see is crosses. That's a symbol of Christianity. There was a resurrection. If he'd have stayed on that cross like the Roman Catholics put him there, a crucifix, that's what that is. That's that necklace with the cross on it, and Jesus is on that necklace, or Jesus is still on the cross. No, listen, that would have not saved me, and that would have not saved you if he had stayed on that cross or stayed in that grave. My friend, he did not stay on that cross, and he did not stay in that grave. My friend, he ascended, he conquered death, hell, and the grave, and he went and he sat down on the right hand of God on high. I want you to know something. We had a little trouble around our house yesterday. Uh, two girls working in the garden and working in the yard, they kept wanting to sit down, and the job wasn't done. And we had to explain to them, you don't sit down until the work's finished. And when the work's finished then, you pop down in that recliner, you throw your feet up, uh, because it's finished my friend thank God when he sat down on the right hand of God what he was saying to all of the world and all of the demons of hell was it is finished it's done salvation has been secured for me and for you hallelujah to the Lamb of God you know what let me have somebody come for him an invitation come get us one you know I'm 44 years old and I really hope this don't get any worse I think it's going to but I'm 44. There's just some things I'm tired of. Some, some th- I'm, just, I'm just tired. Of so- I, and, and, and what it is, it's not lack of patience. It's just I'm not playing games anymore. I'm really not. You know, I, I remember I was thinking about working at the police department. I think I told you one time that I come in one night about 2 in the morning and uh, just a little break. Walked in, my dispatcher wheeled around, and she said, uh, you're going to have to take this 911 call. And I said, hey, you know there's a 911 call coming in. And, uh, and she said, well, because he's called about six times already. And I said, oh, well, what's going on? And uh, she said his name's George, last name, but he, he lived one street over and one street down from the police department. And she said, he's drunk, and he keeps calling 911. I said, tell him you're going to take out a warrant for misuse of 911. We'll put his little self right on in the jail. And she said, I've told him that, but he's really drunk and he keeps calling. And she said, well, you take it. If it and as soon as she said it, started ringing. And she answered and she said, hey, George. It's George again. George is sure enough drunk. And uh, she said, hang on just a minute. And so she gave me the phone and I asked. I said, George, are you having an emergency? No, not. I had mercy. Are you hurt? No, I'm not hurt. Not bleeding? No, not dying? No. You know anybody it is? No. I said, uh, George, are you drunk? He said, Barry. And I said, uh, George, don't call 911 no more. I said, you're tying up the lines for people who are seriously injured, bleeding, dying, need help, so forth. 
And said, so don't call 911 no more, George. You're going to go to jail tonight. I said, go in there and just lay down and go to bed. Go to sleep. And uh, so we hung up. And I didn't even get out of the dispatch office, and he calls 911 right back again. And so I answered the phone again. I said, George, are you hurt, bleed, dying? You know anybody it is? No, I'm fine. What's going on? I'm drunk. I'm very drunk. I said, George, I know that. And I said, George, I told you I was going to put you in jail. Now, this is the eighth time you've called 911. And it's called misuse of 911. We're going to take out a warrant on you for misuse of 911. And so don't call back no more. Hung up the phone. George calls right back. I said, George, okay, here's the deal, pal. What's your address? And he told me whatever it was. And that is Little Trailer Park. And I said, George, I said, I'm coming down there. It'll take me about two minutes to get there. I said, go out on your porch. And I said, I want you to turn around backwards, and I want you to lean over and put your hands behind your back, and you be waiting for me so I don't have to go through all that. And I'm going to come down there and put handcuffs on you and take you to jail. And I drove down from the police department, turned out Well Street. When I got out the end of that trailer park drive, there stood George on his porch, and he's been over just like this, just waiting for me with his hands behind his back. So I put handcuffs on him, I took him to jail. I didn't charge George. George was just a friendly drunk, and he needed some place to go safe where he'd quit calling 911 all night. We just give him a bed at the Alexander Hilton at the time. I was tired of that. Worked narcotics. Dope all the time. That was just what was the deal. Crack was the thing. In fact, I was thinking yesterday... Kyle, in 19, no, it was up in 2000, 2000-something, one of my last arrests, what I thought was a crack arrest, was actually meth. It was a meth first come to the area. And I, and I, I didn't even know what it was. I thought it was crack, very similar looking in nature many times. But anyway, I got tired of that, seeing the same people, the same lives, the same tragedies, the same suffering, all of that junk that comes with it. I was just so tired. Two o'clock in the morning again, standing at the handy pantry. I, myself and a fellow officer met there. That's right beside McDonald's today. It's, uh, I guess it's where the pharmacy sits out on the side. It used to be a handy pantry at the hop-in, a convenience store. We pulled in there and went in. I got a Diet Mountain Dew. We come back out front. We stand there drinking our Cokes. And up comes this guy on a bike that we had dealt with before. He pulls up on his bicycle and he Parks that bicycle, says hello to us. I nodded, and he, he started to go on in the door. And just before he walked in the door of the handy pantry, I called him by name. His name was Richard. I said, hey, Richard, stop right there just a minute. My fellow officer and I were just drinking our Cokes, and I said, Richard, before you go in that store, I said, you at least have a courtesy to come out here and you throw your dope down there on the hood of my car. Don't you carry that stuff in that store. Richard walks right over, reaches in his pocket, pulls out an eight ball of cocaine and throws it on the hood of the car. <laughs> Goes in and buys his Coke. And I reckon he's going to come back out, pick it up, put it back in his pocket and ride down the road. I, you know, I don't know. But we took him to the Alexander Hilton too that night. On more serious charges than George. Just tired. Just tired. Richard, give me your dope. You know what I'm tired of? I, I'm tired of the homosexuals making banners and wearing T-shirts and boasting it around town. I, I'm tired of the abortionists pushing their stuff on us, fighting the fighting our rights to preserve life. I, I'm, I'm tired of that. I, I, I'm tired of God doing so much for many of His people, and yet they do so little for Him. I, I'm tired of God 
standing up and speaking up in defense of his, his people, but yet we become so quiet and we become so silent. I'm tired of the government trying to take away all of our rights. Listen, I want you to understand something about this gay marriage and all that. Some people say, some, somebody said, well, just let them get married. If they want to get married, let them get Let me tell you what's going to happen, though. Uh, when they get married, when, when it's legal and there's a law that says they can get married, I want to tell you what's going to happen. We're going to start losing all of our rights as individuals and our, our civil liberties. They're going to be taken away. And it really, it's going to come down to a hate crimes thing is what, it, what it's going to come down. If you speak against them in any way, they're going to arrest you because you spoken against the law. Uh, and you want, and you can't do that. And let me go ahead and say right now, I want them to know this. I love all those people. I love every one of them. They're no different than I was when I was lost and undone without Christ. They just need to be saved. Uh, so they're welcome here. They're loved here. Let me tell you this. And they can repent and be saved just like me. Uh, but if they're going to stand up and boast about it and brag about it and revel in it, oh, let me tell you, these, some of these beach cities like Panama City Beach and Daytona Beach, hey, they're proud of the fact uh, that, 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 they're, that they have these big weeks down there where college kids go and they just turn it loose and they and they just uh, all of that junk that comes with that let me tell you what the church let me tell you what you ought to do you ought to be glad that you've been redeemed and you ought to say so today the problem in the church of Jesus today is this the problem in America today is this somewhere along the way we grew quiet as a church mouse about the God in whom we serve and this world has exalted their gods and now their gods live in exaltation and our God almost is non-existent in our society and I want you to know I've got a God still seated on His throne in heaven He's still a sovereign God He's still a saving God and He's still a shepherding God to His children I think I'll just praise Him while I have breath the other day in the VA hospital I walked in there went up checked in and for some reason I don't remember why but they wanted to know my address and where I lived or something, and I, and I had to say Waynesville, North Carolina. When I said that, there was an elderly couple sitting there. I don't know them. I didn't know if they were Mormon, Jehovah Witness, Methodist, devil worshipers. I didn't have no clue. But the man stood up when I left that check-in desk, and he said, excuse me, did I hear you say you're from Waynesville? And I said, yes, sir, I'm from Waynesville. And he said, well, we're from Bethel. And I said, well, praise God. You know, that's wonderful. Thank goodness for that. And we just carried on a little conversation just a minute, and I said, Sir, let me ask you something. I said, do you go to church anywhere in the Bethel area? And he said, yes, I just want to be sure. I just wanted to say so. I was going to have take opportunity right there. He approached me. He butted in my business, so I'm going to make God's business his business as soon as I had a chance. And so I said, do you go? He said, well, yeah, we do. He said, we go to Bethel Baptist Church. And by the way, Claire, here's, what he said, here's what he and his little old wife said. I said, you go to Bethel, really? I said, well, I know Brother Roy. And I said, I preached there. I said, we had a joint service with you one uh, Sunday night in August, your August Revival series. They said, really, what church you go to? And I said, well, I pastor Old Savannah Baptist Church. And uh, the little lady's face lit up. She jumped up then to jump in the conversation out of her seat. And she said, oh, my goodness. She said, we love your choir. Uh, she said, we've wanted your choir. We've hoped Brother Roy would have your choir back. Uh, we just want to hear you come and sing. That's been over two years ago uh, that we were there at Bethel Baptist Church. And they still knew just as soon as I mentioned. But I, I just thought that day that I'd say so. I thought I had an opportunity. I thought I'm not going to be still, be quiet. Be silent. Let me tell you something. I was thinking, telling the girls some stories last night that I could tell them in a G-rated manner about some of my goings back way in the day. And when I was back, you just you just don't even know. Listen, I had a big mouth then. I didn't care. I wanted to revel in my rebellion and in my lost estate. 
and I, if, if I could do it then for the devil, if I could exalt his name, his kingdom, and his work, my friend, listen, you can just lay it down this morning and that I'm going to do the same for Jesus. Whatever I did then for him, the devil, I'm going to do more for God by God's grace. So I think this morning, I'll just say so. I went out to my garden there last night walking around looking. Went down there and looked at my chickens and spent some time with them. You just have to be chicken in the chicken business to understand this. I mean, you just, I don't know what it is. But anyway, went down to the garden and walking around that garden. The girls ain't been down there yet done that work, picking up rocks. Some things grow in gardens, you know. You get them all picked up and they just more pop up. And I seen the more rocks are laying down, that laying up and down those rows and in that garden. I got to thinking. I said, Lord, you, you said it. Lord, you said that if I didn't speak up, that those rocks could cry out. And somebody said, I preach it. Those rocks could never cry out. Jesus said they would. Jesus said they would. He also said that he was able to all those rocks to raise up children of Abraham. That's what he said. I believe that if he said it, I believe he meant it. I tell you this, if he can take nothing and make something, if he can take nothing and make the sun, moon, and stars, if he can take nothing... Listen, he started with nothing. He didn't have something. He didn't have dirt to mold together. He didn't have Play-Doh. But he took nothing, the Bible says, and he made something. He made the sun, moon, and stars. He took nothing and he made the dirt. He took nothing and made the world that we live in. And it's all around it. He took that dust of the earth and he made me and he made you. And out of a man's rib, he made a woman. And there, my friend, in a manger in Bethlehem... Uh, one day he let a virgin give birth to a Savior who's the Son of God and yet the Son of Man who died that I could be redeemed, my friend. And I think what I'll do before rocks cry out, I think for what I'll do before rocks give birth to children of Abraham, I'll be glad I'm part of the saved by grace, the saved by faith, my friend. And I'll speak up and I'll just say so today that He is Lord and He is Lord alone. Stand up with me if you will. And I want you to listen. I hope you're tired of some things today. I hope that you're just weary of some things today. I, I, you know, I'm tired of being in the minority. That's what I'm tired of. I'm, I'm tired of us just being a little small remnant who wants to boast of God. I, I, I'm, I'm, tired of, I'm tired of soft-spoken Christians. Honest to God knows this is the truth. More than one I've run into in a public place and will stand and have loudmouth conversation. They will. About fish that's caught, coons that's treed, trucks that's bought, ball games that's won. I mean big, loud-mouth conversations. And when I say something about Jesus, what's going on in your church? Down to a whisper. Look around, make sure nobody's looking, hoping nobody's on the aisle over who hears them talking about the life. I'm tired of that. That's nonsense. That's senseless. I tell you what we ought to do. We need to get on Facebook and we ought to post and we ought to repost everything we can about the gospel of Jesus Christ, about God's goodness in our lives, about things that are going on in the church. We ought to Instagram it. We ought to take pictures in church, my friend. We ought to tell people. We ought to go to work. We ought not to be quiet. Let me tell you something. I drug that old hound dog down the hill a while ago and it wasn't even Corbett. He found that old rascal. He said it wasn't worth a flip. I walked all the way down the road leading that thing on a bungee cord. All you hunter dog hunters don't even carry dog lead with you to church. What in the world are you thinking about? I put that thing on a bungee cord and down the road I went and that little old gal, son, she handled just as good. You ever get a walker or you know what I'm talking about. She handled just as good. 
right down that road we went, never pulled and stretched that bungee one bit. And I thought, my goodness, this is a dog of dogs. Gotta be one of the top line that he's got. I mean, that's a golden dog right there. He wasn't at home and tied her up there on the porch, one of his leads, and got a hold of him on the phone when I started walking back. He'd worked graveyard and I got him out of the bed and he said, oh, that ain't my dog. He said, that old thing showed up here a week ago, put a collar on it, let it run around. Uh, he said, it ain't got a bit of sense. I said, leads good. He said, yeah, but it ain't got no sense. I drug that old dog down there, come back smelling like a dog. Oh, you women turn your nose up at that, but I tell you, I went back there to that bathroom and I thought, this is life. I got the smell of hound on one hand and the smell of a Bible in the other. It doesn't get any better than this, Lord. It doesn't get any better than this. I drug that dog down there just to be able to get him face to face and say, hey, Corbett, God loves you. Come to church this morning. I think I'm just going to say so. I may not have many days left. This may be my last day, last week, last month, last year on this earth. And I've been redeemed and I'm going to say it while I can. And you ought to do the same this morning. Say it this morning in this altar before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You come sing, Liz. Let's sing. Come. Come. Sing. On a stands an endless mercy tree. Every broken, weary soul Find your rest and be made whole Stripes of blood that stain its frame Shed to wash away our Scars, pure love released, salvation by the mercy tree. In the spot between two thieves, hung the blameless prince of peace beaten battered scarred and scorned sacred head pierced by our thorns it is finished was his crime the perfect lamb was crucified his sacrifice our victory our savior chose the mercy tree hope when dark that violent day the whole earth quaked at love's display. Three days silent in the ground, this body born for heaven's crown. But on that bright and glorious day, when heaven opened up the ground,
risen indeed. Praise Him for the mercy tree. Death has died and love has won. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus Christ has overcome. He has risen from the Love has won.